All right, so this is the first iteration of the Yes But podcast, and we are really excited to be presenting this to you all. And this podcast, just as a reminder to you, is to provide some nuance on some very polarizing conversations that we understand that, one, people want to have that are really significant, not just in our Christian world, but also in the world as a whole, and not provide necessarily a new view on it, but to look at it through particular lenses that we would hope would lead us to the truth, but in a reasonable way, in a way that we can all understand. And so our first iteration, obviously coming up after some pretty major events, is to look at Roe versus Wade. Now, this is a controversial topic, and there are myriad thoughts and opinions about it. But there are several nuances that I think we need to address first if we're going to address it from a Christian perspective so that people can actually receive what we say and hear what we say with love and respect and grace and mercy and truth. But we also need to be firm about some things as well. And so to begin this, our perspective is that we are doing our best as believers, at least I can account for myself, right, to uphold God's standard of truth. I believe that God is the standard of absolute truth, and from there we derive everything else regarding life, truth, whatever the case may be. There is one absolute truth, and it comes from the God, from God, and he's communicating that to us through the word of God. So when we look at an issue like Roe versus Wade, which really is an abortion issue, but what we're going to learn today is probably a much deeper issue than that, we really need to start at the root. And it is actually surprising to me the amount of people, specifically black women, who feel like because this has been overturned, that something regarding their uh, bodily autonomy has actually been taken away from them But I think that's because they don't all necessarily know the history. Now, the history, if we start with just the organization, Planned Parenthood, has a questionable origin just to begin with. Regardless of your thoughts on abortion, regardless of your thoughts on gestation, um, the age of a fetus, regardless of those things, if you look with an unbiased lens, at Planned Parenthood, specifically Margaret Sanger, you will see that she is closely connected with things like eugenics, things like racism that was specific to black people. And in fact, if you even read some of the things that she has written or had written, if you, if you know some of the projects that she participated in things like the Negro Project or writing in her own autobiography that she spoke to the Ku Klux Klan and that she advocated a eugenics approach. This is documented in several places, but one of the places that we have seen this documented is in an article that was written by Kristen Hawkins out of USA Today, July of 2020. Essentially, one of the things that she thought would happen, more of a Darwinistic approach to it, that out of eugenics, that you breed the weaker species out of existence. And for her, one of those that was threatening the stronger species, that being the white Aryan species, as she would see it, would be black people. In fact, 
a direct quote from her is the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stocks. Those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. If you would have heard anyone else who would say such a thing, you would automatically be able to identify that, that person has some serious racial biases. I mean, these are things that when you hear something like that, essentially sound like something that we would hear spoken out of Nazi Germany by Hitler. But no, it wasn't. It was actually spoken to us by a person who identified themselves as, a, as an individual who was liberating women, but it was really using that in some form, in short order, to suppress, as the word she used, the black race. This has had a tremendous impact on us, on top of the fact that the people who largely lobbied for abortion, for Planned Parenthood, in the 50s, was headed by white liberals who had the undercurrent of their motivation, which was to deal with the black people problem. Whether you stand on the rights to abortion, whether you stand on the rights to a woman to have bodily autonomy, you at least must divorce those principles, that desire for that autonomy, from Planned Parenthood and their origination. Now, you may think, but sure, that was way back then. That has no impact on us today. You would think it doesn't. But by and large, it is not any other race of people other than black people or Hispanic people who are having abortions. In fact, out of the 100 percentage of abortions that could, be, that could have taken place, 61% of those are by women of color, that being black women, that being Hispanic women. Not only that, but we have also found that if you do the research that black women and Hispanic women are three times more likely to die as a result of having an abortion. It is a non-factor for white women. In fact, not only are they more likely to die as a result of having an abortion, they're more likely to die as a result of having a baby. See, the issue is not simply abortion. The issue is much deeper than that. Let's call abortion here the tree. But let's say that the roots of what is leading to more black women on average than any other race of people to get abortions is that there are systemic disparities that exist among black women, women of color, that do not exist for women of other races, specifically who are white. Why is that ironic? Because the majority of the people who are lobbying, who are in political positions to lobby for things like Planned Parenthood and abortion, are led by white liberal women. They are led by white women on the left. But by and large, people in their demographic, even white women who have abortions, are largely not in their socioeconomic status. 
that means that they're lobbying for something that doesn't even affect their particular people group. We need to at least use some deductive reasoning here and think to ourselves, if someone is lobbying for something that largely doesn't impact them, then that means that the reason they are lobbying for it is that it has some sort of desired outcome that they are looking for. These are the evils that exist. We can have a conversation about abortion, but why don't we have a conversation about why black girls are introduced at an earlier age to sexual encounters than white girls are, by and large, whether they are warranted or unwarranted, whether they are completely agreed upon by both parties or forced upon. Why are black girls much more sexualized and in worse positions in terms of accessibility to be raped than white girls are? See, I think the tree is is that many black women know that they're having to deal with realities that exist in our world, in their world, that do not exist for other people. And so the main reality for them comes to the disparities that are involved in medical care, the disparities that exist for their protection sexually, the disparities that they already feel like they will face if they try to get a job or the disadvantaged position they'll be in if they have children. Do any of these things justify an abortion? I do not believe that they do. They do not, that does not mean, however, that these are not realities. Is abortion wrong? Yes. But we need to think about why people feel like they need to have them. We need to think about the realities of why women are getting abortions. Because those realities exist. Now, essentially, those realities come from the, the fact that we are in a fallen world. And that, as the Bible tells us, in Adam all die. We have a sin nature that has been passed down to us from our father and mother, Adam and Eve. And because of that, not only do we have personal sin, but it also means that we are all going to be at some point sinned against. And there is no place in scripture where God has ever permitted the response to sin to be sin. Do we see in the Bible that people in response to sin commit sin? Yes. Do we see that they get grace from God? Yes. That's what we understand. Yes. Abortion is wrong. But you don't have to be held guilty in the eyes of God or stamped permanently or judged for the rest of your life because you've had one. Abortion is not a sin that is unforgivable in the eyes of God. A person can be saved after having an abortion. A person can be saved even though they may not have even felt the initial conviction of it. The issue is that even God knowing in all his wisdom permits certain evils to happen. Evils like rape. 
evils like abortion. But he also meets us with his love and his care and his grace. That's the one hand. That there is a God who is out there who even in the depths of our struggles, our sin, the implication of our sin, the effects of sin on us can still save us and comfort us and love us. And so the challenge is, yes, there are many Christians, right, who are lobbying, who are lobbying, who are celebrating. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Congratulations. Now, what are the Christians going to do about it? Because if now we are saying as believers that we care about lives, then those can't just be the lives of the children while they remain in the uterus of the mother. Those can't just be for the lives of the children in the uterus and not the mother that the child is being held by. Yes, it is good that abortion is not legalized universally and unilaterally in America, but that means that we as believers have to do something about it. One, we need to foster and adopt. We need to fulfill the mission of the church, the mission of the church that we saw in the New Testament when it says that as every one of them came together and none of them considered their things to be their own and they sold land and they made money and they gave it to the church and the church gave it out to the people as they had needs. What does James tell us? It says if you want to say that you have real faith, he mentions that real faith takes care of orphans. There's probably nothing less Christian than a person standing outside of an abortion clinic and screaming at people who feel like they have or they are choosing at the last possible moment, the last resort, as opposed to going to them, sitting with them and comforting them and giving them a reason to believe that the church has anything for them other than condemnation. There are realities that exist that we must acknowledge that merely giving people purity culture is not enough. That telling them being pure for purity's sake is not enough. And that we must explain the beauties of sex in the eyes of God when it happens between a man and a woman who are married. And we must talk about the unfortunate realities that exist when that doesn't happen. Not the least of them being abortion, but also the amount of children who are having to grow up with the trauma of not having both parents in the household. There are lots of things that we as Christians need to address before we get on our high horse about abortion. Yes, is wrong, but are we doing our part? 
Are we addressing this in a holistic way? And are we acknowledging that even systemic racism is a product of sin? And just because it doesn't affect you in your life doesn't mean that we're not all dealing with the ramifications of it. We are. We are. So there needs to be something that is done. And to my people who say, okay, now that means, Brandon, if you're saying that we cannot have abortions, that you expect us to carry a child, even if somebody was raped. And the only thing I have to say to that is, if you could guarantee me, I mean, with 100% confidence, and that you could find medical evidence that proves it, that abortion is a better alternative. I'm not saying is an equal alternative because all things equal have a child. Let someone adopt it. Give that child an opportunity to have a decent life. But if you can't tell me that abortion is a better option, then why is it even an option? I know the trauma. I've not had to experience that. But I will tell you like this. I have had conversations because I don't want to just know about the issue. I want to know people who have dealt with it. And your experience may be different. And that's fine. But every person that I've ever spoken with, Christian, non-Christian, who's ever had an abortion, when I've asked them if they would do it again, they would not. I know someone who considered it, and when they asked the people around them who had done it, would they recommend that she would do it? And every single one of them that she knew, and this person is and was pro-abortion, every person that this person knew that had had an abortion told her, do not get one. That means something. That means that there is something that happens that, that is not accounted for. But this particular individual actually did go to Planned Parenthood. And she said that it was one of those experiences where you knew there was a deeper evil in lying in this. Because they told her, don't go to any doctor's appointments. Don't get emotionally attached. It's not a baby. And she thought, how can you tell me not to get emotion attached when this baby is literally growing on the inside of me? And that was when she realized that this was not for her liberation. This was not for her protection. This was for some other cause. Listen, we do not deny the evils that exist in our world. But we are told in the Bible, do not repay evil for evil. And that even as our convictions may not be the same across the board, at the end of the day, there are two things that I don't think man gets to decide. I don't think man has the right to decide 
to end someone else's life because the Bible tells us that murder is wrong. I don't think man gets the right to decide that. And I don't think that, the man, that man gets the right to decide when life begins. Because when you read in the Psalms, you understand that he says that in your mother's inward parts, I knit you together. That God carefully and intended, carefully and intently knitted together every single one of us. Every single one of us that was full term, every single one of us that was premature, every single one of us that unfortunately may have been stillborn, every single one of us that was aborted. Every miscarriage, he still knitted that baby together. And so those are some things I want you to think about. Yes, there is nuance involved in this conversation, and it won't just end in one setting, but there are things that we need to think about. Think about how the evils of racism are disproportionately affecting certain people groups. Think about why they would, in, in, for any reason, champion some of the causes that they champion. Until next time, this is Yes, 